0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View, uh, NFL Week 11, some major injuries this uh, this past week, or I guess, what was it, last Thursday night was probably the biggest one. Um, Deshaun Watson, even though I think he stinks, and the Browns are still somehow winning football games without him now, uh, he's out for the year with his shoulder injury, and Joe Burrow, left Thursday night's game against the Ravens. The first Thursday night game, everyone kind of sat back and collectively said, "Hey, we're going to get a good football game tonight." And Joe Burrow gets hurt in like the second quarter. Um it was pretty devastating. He he injured his wrist, couldn't throw football, he needs surgery, he's out for the rest of the year. It's the second time he will have a career uh, a, a season-ending injury. His rookie year he played 10 games towards ACL Came back 16 games, 17 games, and then now again here with, he has the, uh, the ending, the season ending wrist injury after 10 games. So pretty, pretty devastating Um, for, I think all football fans, obviously for Bengals fans, they really had no, who even knows if they win that game with Burrow, but you know, obviously it's a lot closer and. You have no room for mistakes just because they got off to such a bad start. But, like, the Bengals completely, I think, butchered Joe Burrow, which I think is going to become a, a really a really big issue um, over the course of, like, the next eight or nine months. I think that's going to become, like, a huge piece of the discourse is, like, what the Bengals – are actively doing to Joe Burrow is like Colts to Andrew Luck-esque almost in a way. Pretty, pretty damn close. Um, So I think some people should definitely start being concerned. It needs to be like, it needs to be corrected because Joe Burrow is a top three quarterback in this, in this league. And the way he is getting like tossed around like a rag doll because of his offensive line and everything, it has just been the beginning of his career is like crazy. The fact that like he's he's been able to make two AFC championships and a Super Bowl with what has been afforded to him off, on the offensive line is is pretty remarkable. Um, and you know they're not going to be able. I don't think T. Higgins is going to be back, so they're going to lose like some weapons. Joe Mixon's on the tail end probably of his career, unfortunately, as a running back. Um, so, you know, you get windows and for the Bengals to kind of have the window that they had and not invest in protecting their quarterback is definitely an issue. Um, so we'll talk about that. Deshaun Watson's out, but the the Browns still somehow win anyway. Kenny Pickett is, I think Kenny Pickett stinks. (laughs) He, I think he's, he's the problem. He's, I mean, Matt Canada is not good. He is Matt Canada is definitely problem number one, but also Kenny Pickett might be problem number two. So uh, we're going to get into all the games as usual. NFL week 11. um, We're approaching the. I don't know if I should talk about Invincible this week or next. I'll, I'll probably do it next week. Um, just because we're approaching, there's a mid-season break. There's eight episodes. They're doing the first four now, and then the next four after the holidays. So after Thanksgiving, after Christmas, after New Year's, um, early 2024, the last those next four episodes of season two will drop. And hopefully, it won't be like another two and a half years till we get uh, season three of Invincible. But um, that show's been really good. Obviously, it's 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 a fantastic show. Uh, I need to get, I don't know, I need to, there's a lot of movies coming out, so I'm excited for, like, the movie slate, um, and at, I go to AMC, so my A-list pass, hopefully, will be in good use, uh, there's, like, the Hunger Games prequel movie, which I heard mixed reviews about, um, yeah, I think it was, like, Moist Critical on YouTube, was, like, the acting was fine. But the plot felt a little jumbled. I had a friend that went to go see it, and he said that the acting was pretty good as well. So, like, that's a positive. I think that's a positive that everyone can get behind. If the acting is good, then the acting's good. Like, um, I can I'll be able to sit through a movie if people are giving like good performances, regardless if I think the plot is silly or not. Um, I never went to go see Friday Night at Freddy's, but shout out Matthew Lillard, um, Napoleon. Go see Napoleon. Godzilla Minus One is going to be probably my favorite movie in the next like three months. Uh, uh, the Iron Claw with uh, Zach Efron and Jeremy Allen White. That should be pretty good. Uh, I'm not going to go see that Glenn Powell, Cindy Sweeney rom com or what. I don't know what that is, but not going to go see it. Not going to go see Aquaman which is a first obvious. I mean, I didn't go see the Marvels either because that was just, uh, that looked horrible. Um, and it's gotten horrible reviews and it's been horrible at the box office. So I'm like hoping now like this, if Ant-Man Quantumania wasn't the one that kind of set Marvel off a little bit. I'm hoping it's the Marvels completely tanking and no disrespect to any of these actresses that like were a part of this movie. um, I think that it's a huge problem that, like, Kevin Feige and Marvel have to figure out because they can't just keep peddling the, like, mediocre movies that they've been doing for, like, the past two years. Um, They need to, like, actually start caring about their product again and, like, have a cohesive vision because they're, like, their big bad villain as Kang, Jonathan Majors, like, he's in some legal trouble right now. Allegedly, you know, it's all allegations and whatnot, but like he's they're sitting on that. Um, The the writing has been horrible. The acting has been bad. The plots have, are like uninspired, genetic, generic nonsense. I swear to God, I swear to God, they're using AI. I swear to God, there's just there's no there's no way that people sit in a room and like write. These scripts, and no one like sits back and says, "Hey, uh, this is bad. Like we should do we should go in a different direction or we should change something like I'm 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 almost I, I have I have there has to be AI involved because like all of these scripts and the dialogue and the plot, everything has just been so generic. Like the story beats, everything is just copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste. like, Another team up, another more cameos that no one cares about anymore, like a villain that appears that has some like loose tie to one of the heroes and is angry at them. And like, that's that's the reason that's the villain. Like, it's not it's bad, dude. It's really things have gotten really bad. So I didn't go see the Marvels. Obviously, I'm not going to see Aquaman as much as I like Jason Momoa, like as an actor. I think he's he's cool. Like, he's a very likable dude. Um. I'm not going to support anything that Amber Heard is in. Had they announced that like Amber Heard had been completely cut from the movie and they were, uh, you know, they were going to go and continue the movie without her. um, I would have obviously gone and seen it, but uh, just based on the fact that she's in the movie, I'm not, I can't go see it. Um, I'm not going to do that to Johnny Depp. That's my guy. So. Uh the I don't know the Mean Girls musical reboot. Ugh. The Boy and the Heron. Miyazaki baby. I'm going to go see that for sure. That is What is this? That's Thursday. That's for Thursday, December 10th. It says it's opening the 22nd, which is in a few days. Um Ah, but it doesn't have any showtimes yet. So the first showtimes, I guess, are December 7th for The Boy and the Heron, the Miyazaki film. I'm going to go see that. Definitely. Miyazaki, he doesn't miss. He's a dog. So I'll go see that. Um, I Yeah, Godzilla minus one is going to be probably my favorite in the next, like, coming weeks um, and months. But... The NFL, uh, the MLB awards that we talked about last week, pretty much hit on all of them. Even Skip Schumacher. I was, you know, we talked about the Craig Council debacle and him leaving for the Cubs and all that and how weird it was, but um, and how, how weird it would have been if he won, you know, manager of the year. Uh, it's nice that. Skip Schumacher won. I I was, I was nice. uh, It was nice that I kind of was leaning Skip Schumacher and he ended up winning it. Everything else seemed basically, uh, like inevitable, unanimous, almost Garrett Cole was unanimous. The 12th AL Cy Young award winner to be voted by unanimous decision, Garrett Cole. Uh, so Cole won the Cy Young, Blake Snell won the Cy Young, no surprises there. Otani MVP, Acuna MVP, no surprises there. Um... Yeah, no across the board, no surprises. So, even rookies of the year, Carol, Gunnar Henderson, you know, we're good. Um, no surprises across the board, no snubs, no uh, you know, upsets that people are going to be mad about or whatever. So, uh, excited for NFL week 11. Obviously, it's Thanksgiving, so a lot of football this week. We had this Sunday, we had our our scheduled slate of NFL week 11. Monday night, this is Monday afternoon, I'm recording it. So again, Monday night football is one of the best Monday night football matchups that we, I think maybe all season it's going to be. Um, Chiefs, Eagles, Super Bowl rematch, going to be an electric game uh, tonight. I have a little parlay in that I will share with you all now. So you all know where I'm at. It's Mahomes. I am obsessed with primetime Patrick Mahomes rushing yards. So Patrick Mahomes over 23.5 rushing yards. DeAndre Swift over 59.5 uh, rushing yards. And Travis Kelsey over seven and a half receptions. Um that is plus 581 odds. I used a I, mean, I used FanDuel, so not a promo, but I used a 30% profit boost that they give you. So now it's at plus 755 odds. Um, that's my little three-leg parlay. I kind of stayed away from the game in general just because it could be a blowout. It can be tight. I don't know how these teams are going to come out against each other, but I just know that it's probably going to be a close game regardless. Um, what, I, I wasn't sure how to lean either way in terms of like money line, spread, over-unders. I, so I just decided stay away from the game. And we'll just go with player props, and I went with Swift, uh, Swift, Mahomes, and uh, Kelsey. So that's my Monday night action that I got going on. Uh, let's get into NFL Week Eleven. The Thursday night game. We'll start with uh, not much to recap about the game itself, but more so just the news that came from there. So. The Ravens win 34 to 20. Joe Burrow, uh, the Bengals season's over. Joe Burrow, I don't know if he broke his wrist, if it was a ligament in his wrist, whatever it was. Uh, there was a whole controversy around it, which is such a problem. But we'll start. I don't know how to start from the beginning here. Um, there is There was a picture posted from a video from the Bengals social media team That showed Burrow getting off the team bus with uh, some type of brace around his wrist, around like his thumb area and his wrist. And, or maybe it was the team plane. But people took, the, the video was deleted, but people still took notice and were like, hey, that's weird after the injury. This happened where it's like, hey, that's weird. Why does he have like a brace around his wrist and around his thumb? Was he were the Bengals hiding an injury from the injury report? Cause that is a big no-no. That's a big cause for like investigation if teams are like withholding information about like certain injuries to players and whatnot. Um, especially when there's like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line in the gambling space where like If you're going to be a league that acknowledges gambling and it's and it's legal gambling and there's a lot of money on the line, like these are things that you have to be stingy about because a lot of money is on the line for a lot of people, not just like I'm saying gamblers, not for people. I'm saying the businesses side of it are like there's a lot of money and that creates a lot of problems. So Burrow has this. Brace on, and everyone's like, well, what is this brace? Did the Bengals lie about, you know, the injury report? Did they withhold information? Um, And then I think it was someone, Chris Long, was pointing out there's a play against the Texans very, very early on where Burrow kind of gets sandwiched, and then he's seen like kind of shaking his hand. So maybe that's the injury, and they were trying to maintain it, let him play through it. And uh, at some point here for the uh, in in this game, not at some point, I forgot what it was in this game, but they were in the red zone. Burrow went to go throw a pass, and immediately grabbed uh, grabbed his hand, and just was in a lot of pain. He tried to throw the ball on the sideline after getting out of the blue medical tent, um, and could not grip the football. So immediately you're thinking UCL tear. Generally, that's what happens. Uh, you lose that like strength in your forearm and in that, in that elbow tendon, and you can't grip a ball properly. You can't throw properly. Um, baseball, football, doesn't matter what it is. You can't do it properly. So that requires usually Tommy John surgery. Um, it wasn't that, which I think is is a good thing. Um, but it was his wrist, which will require surgery, will which will end his season. So now Jake Browning, he had to go in, finish that game off. Um, he's going to be the start moving forward. Safe to say the Bengals' tumultuous season is over in week 10 or week 11. Um, pretty brutal way to end it and kind of just disappointing all around you know 5 and 5 uh after Thursday night football they they had problems um early on a lot of it revolved around Burrow not being healthy and not literally not being able to move in the pocket and that is what brings us to really the core of what happened this season with the Cincinnati Bengals is the complete malpractice of Joe Burrow or that the the team regarding Joe Burrow's health, that was the malpractice. The training staff, Zach Taylor, everyone else who's in charge of making sure like these guys are healthy and they get the best chance to win, it's on them. It's not on Joe Burrow. You know, he's gonna if he he is a little he he's like that where he's like I if even if he's a little banged up like he's gonna go out and he's gonna play, you know. Some guys are still cut from that cloth. Mahomes is like that. He's banged. He, he'll go out and he'll play with a high ankle sprain. You know, uh, Matt Stafford, Matthew Stafford has been that way his entire career for better or for worse. He's been that way his entire career. But sometimes it's it's on the team to like step in and be like, hey, you're, you're going to sit out until this is done because it's just going to make things worse. And that's probably what the Bengals would have did would have done. I mean, or should have done, I should say. Like, look at their their season, how it opened up. They were like, what, one and three to start? Um, they didn't really get going until that that game against the Cardinals when Burrow was fully healthy. So if you put Jake Browning out there for two or three weeks, and you know, maybe you're 0 3, okay. But like you weren't in much um, a much better position anyway. And if Burrow is missing a couple weeks and not playing at all and recovering, he comes back healthy rather than you know slowly building up health as the season progresses while he's basically useless moving in the pocket. Like if if, if the and the, the Bengals offensive line being as horrible as it is. Not being able to move is a huge like problem for Joe Burrow. Like you're 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 putting actively putting him in harm's way by sending him out there in the beginning of the season, where he came into for, first of all, back in even into uh you know uh offseason workouts, summer workouts. Like he comes into the preseason to the workouts, already kind of dealing with a little bit of a calf thing. You send him out there to practice anyway. He hurts it even more. He misses the entirety of spring training, spring season, What spring training, spring season. Oh my God. I'm getting baseball terms mixed up. Um, Training camp. He misses the entirety of training camp, the entirety of preseason. And he comes into week one, still hobbled by this, this calf injury, but he's like, I'm just going to play through it. He is completely immobile for the most part. Um, he, he can barely move side to side up, drop back and move up in the pocket. He can barely move in the pocket and he's definitely not moving outside of it. And the pocket is not good because the offensive line is not good. So that pocket collapses really quickly. He can't get the ball out to his receivers because they're not even halfway through running their routes before someone's in his face. Um, he, he can't move to buy time. He is getting hit a lot, which Now on top of this calf injury, you're worried about him getting banged up even more. Finally, against the Cardinals, he's fully healthy and you can see immediately he's different. They go on to beat the Niners in an impressive win. Like they really were looking like they turned it around because now Joe Burrow is 100% healthy and he can make things happen. And now on top of that, now, now you have, you just finally, barely, barely by the skin of your teeth, get out of week 10, five and five. And now Joe Burrow looks like he had an injury and you maybe try and mitigate it, put a brace on it, fix it up, whatever you try and do to be like, can he play through it? And he's going to, if they say, yeah, he could play through and he's going to play through it, then that's it. If there were any known risks involved in terms of like, well, this thing can snap at any moment and a season would be over. I, I don't know how you handle that, but like it feels like every move so far the Bengals have made regarding Joe Burrow has been and his health has been like, we'll just go out there and play through it. Which is like crazy to me that this is a top three player in your franchise's history, like already, based on you know, he he took you guys to a Super Bowl, multiple AFC championships. He is. He is really the the only guy who has significantly challenged Mahomes in the AFC. The only he's the only one. Josh Allen did it once, but even now he is having like kind of a a regression this season where he's he, he's turning the ball over, which he he has done, but those electric plays just aren't coming as much as they used to. So we'll get to that and Josh Allen and maybe his problems that he's had and stuff but um it was pretty nuts to see how just how poorly the Bengals treat like how they nonchalantly go about this whole Joe Burrow injury thing um and now as football fans we're robbed of the Bengals and and the and Burrow to see maybe can they make this push into the playoffs can they make a run because they've done it before you know, they've, they've gotten off the slow starts and then completely went, you know, supernova going into the playoffs and making an AFC championship game. um And, and we're robbed of seeing that. But I would, yeah, like, you know, can you imagine Burrow Mahomes third year in a row AFC championship? That would be electric. But uh, it's it just is what it is. I mean, now you just, we got to wait. He'll be, ideally, he'll be fine going into training camp next year and everything will be okay and hopefully the Bengals, you know with some of this money that that, that's going to be coming off the books for them they go and they uh reinforce their offensive line as much as possible i would be shocked if they didn't try and get an offensive lineman in this draft who knows how many more games they win the rest of the year you know you can end up with like a pretty decent draft pick with all these things considered i mean that happened. Didn't that happen? Joe Burrow's rookie year, you know, he, when he's playing in 10 games, they're not particularly good. He's a rookie, you know, coming into a pretty bad situation. So he starts 10 games. He tears his ACL next year. They get Jamar chase. Now, suddenly everything changes for them. Uh, so hopefully they use, they, if they lose enough games here at the end, they use whatever decent draft pick that they have to, uh draft an offensive lineman or something or and then just go out and sign an offensive lineman like the offensive line has to absolutely be your number 1 priority. Uh in terms of the the Ravens, um they are 8 and 3 and a serious threat. That defense is pretty incredible. Uh top 5 easily in the league right now. And Lamar's playing good football. Again, despite all the injuries, like the Ravens are not short of injuries again this year. And that's really been their MO for like the past several years is that guys just continue to get injured because what kind of falls to the wayside here, like I'm all, I'm talking about Joe Burrow, but like Mark Andrews is out for the year. Another guy on this Ravens offense that is, is out for the year, JK Dobbins. um, You know, a lot of their wide, Rashad Bateman's been banged up. Odell's been banged up. Um, Zay Flowers is only a rookie, which is like Zay Flowers is, is good, but like still a rookie can't really expect him to carry the load like that offensively as a wide receiver. One, you need to kind of spread the wealth, but the Ravens really rely heavily on this running game. You know, Gus Edwards has been a touchdown machine for the last few weeks, you know. 15 carries, 60 yards, and two touchdowns has been Gus Edwards' M.O. for like the past several weeks. So it's pretty crazy. Odell Thursday night had a really nice game. Four catches, 116 yards for Odell. Um, Again, Mark Andrews being out for the year is a really, really tough blow for them. Baltimore, just seeing the way they've been playing. And more importantly, seeing the way they've been playing against good teams, you know, you take this Thursday night game with a grain of salt because Burrow got hurt, but dominating the Bengals, dominating the Lions, um, you you kind of, I'm using this phrase again the second time in, in like the past minute, but with a grain of salt, that loss to the Browns, AFC North matchups are always kind of sticky um even like again with the Bengals, the Browns, sticky situation, back-to-back AFC North games on a short week. That's a bad loss to Cleveland and it's going to be one that they're, you know, if they're fighting tooth and nail with the Chiefs till the last week of the season for that one seed, that loss to the Browns is something that's going to be haunting them. Uh but they dominate the Seahawks, they dominate the Lions. Like those are good teams. Um and you look at these games The loss to the Colts—that there are three losses you can really look at and be like "That, that. Those are bad losses. Two of them are to AFC North teams, so that's why it's a little bit of a tricky, sticky situation. But the loss to the Colts is bad, and then you lose to the Steelers and to the Browns. Where I don't think the Steelers are particularly good. And if you ask me right now, even though the Steelers are six and four, and the Ravens are eight and three, like the Ravens are a significantly better team than the Steelers significantly. So to lose to them in that regard is bad. And then basically leading the whole game against Cleveland and having this collapse in the second half, also bad. However, they are still a very good football team. You can't win them all. So it is what it is. Um And they are now the sole leaders of the AFC North. And I, I really don't know if they're going to be Worried about that lead too much because the I don't think the Steelers are good and the Browns now don't really have a quarterback. So I, I don't know how far that defense can take them, but it's going to be fun watching, Um, which will get that'll bring us into this game. Now, the Steelers and Browns, Browns win 13 to 10 on a game winning field goal by Dustin Hopkins. Um, The Steelers lose this game. To Dorian Thompson Robinson, who led a drive down the field to get them into field goal range in the the final minute or two of the game <laughs> it's that's uh, that's that's tough. The Browns are 7 and 3, the Steelers are 6 and 4. Browns are 7 and 3 basically without Deshaun Watson. Uh, Deshaun Watson has contributed to maybe two of the seven wins this year. This defense is generational. Like it's it's the best defense in football in my opinion and They've had a couple weeks where people put points on the board against them. But for the most part, they are winning football games for this team. And the Steelers are really the same way. The Steelers defense has really won them games um, with whatever, the, whether it's with interceptions or, or strip sack fumbles, putting them into, into good position. Uh, but the, the Browns winning this close AFC North matchup is pretty gross. Uh, I don't again, I don't know how far this this Cleveland team goes with, a, I don't know if it's a combination, if it's going to be Dorian Thompson-Robinson the rest of the way, DTR the rest of the way, or if they're going to maybe platoon with PJ Walker occasionally. You're not really comfortable with either one of those guys as a Browns fan. They can go out and sign a veteran. That'd probably be a smart move. If there's any veterans on the market, maybe go out and get them there. I don't know if they have the money to do that, or if they're just comfortable with either one of those two guys being under center for the rest of the way. Uh, but they have a good ground game. They move the ball enough, I guess. And then the defense is just, the, the defense is immovable. And then with the Steelers, uh, Matt can I think it's, it's basically malpractice what Mike Tomlin's doing with Matt Canada. To, I, I understand the Steeler way. It's stupid. The Steeler way is dumb. Like, what? Not don't fire you. I you don't fire coaches midseason. Is that that's the whole thing, right? Why? It's it's a disservice to your roster and to your fans to keep Matt Canada around. And listen, Kenny Pickett's not getting off the hook here either. Kenny Pickett might might be bad. Uh, he he's he looked he looked. I mean, it's the Browns' defense, so whatever. Like I understand that, but he's not particularly good. I, I do not feel inspired by watching Kenny Pickett play football. Uh, Tommy DeVito for the Giants has more games with two passing touchdowns than Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett got his first game. In his career with two passing touchdowns. And it was against the Raiders earlier this season. Tommy DeVito has already done that a couple times. Um, that's a problem. That is a huge problem. Like a very big red flag uh, for Kenny Pickett. He was 15 for 28. 106 yards in the air. No touchdowns, no interceptions. 106 yards in the air. They didn't, Pitt, Pittsburgh didn't fumble. Didn't throw interceptions. Uh, This was simply a case of like punt, 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 punt. They managed to squeak a touchdown and a field goal in there, but everything else was just punt after punt after punt. It is, it's quite remarkable. They were losing 10-0 at halftime. It, It is, it is pretty remarkable Just how bad the Steelers were at moving the football on Sunday. And here's where like the other malpractice comes into is Najee Harris. Uh, Najee Harris is also really bad. Najee Harris is not a good running back. He has absolutely no pep in his step. Cannot make a guy miss. Um, And then on the other end of it, you have Jalen Warren, who had a 74-yard touchdown run and touched the ball like three times the rest of the game. That's your only touchdown. Your, your only semblance of like offense was a 70-plus yard touchdown run by Jalen Warren. Nine carries, 129 yards, and a touchdown for Jalen Warren. And he's just simply not touching the ball enough. He's He is your starting running back. There's no reason why Najee Harris should be your starting running back and getting the majority of the touches. Zero. Zero. He's bad. He is bad. He has he has no burst at all. Can't make a guy miss. Um, and then you have on top of the fact George Pickens is just wasted. He has, you know what? I don't even, like, you can't even blame George Pickens for being as pissed off as he was, you know, with the, the free me stuff. And you can talk about, like, it's unprofessional. Uh, the Steelers would never, can never tolerate something like that okay, dude, that's that's great, but he's right. He's like, free him. He's wasting away in Pittsburgh because they have a, 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 a guy who can't call the right plays and has a terrible offensive playbook and a dude under center who is it just can't throw the football. He's not throwing a good thrower of the football. And I know Kenny Pickett's had his moments where you're like, maybe there's something there. Maybe that's the guy. But speaking as a Giants fan, with Daniel Jones and how much support I gave him and how much of a leash I gave him, there comes a point where you're like, are the flashes enough to really support this? Or are we just now kind of stuck here? You know, like I, Kenny Pickett is not the guy that's going to like l- lead you into this post-Big Ben era. He's He's not that good. He's a stopgap quarterback at best go and find another one or at least make some type of contingency plans to go get another quarterback because Kenny Pickett is not going to be the guy to win you this division, to win you a playoff game. He's just not. He is not that guy. And this defense is really – it. it's actually crazy how many great defenses there are in this league right now with no quarterback. The Browns right now, the Steelers, the Jets – Uh, the Bengals defense was playing pretty well and now they don't have Joe Burrow. So like whatever talent that team has is basically being wasted. Um, It's, it's nuts. So I think that the, this concept of like the Steelers way, they've only had three, they've had three coaches in the past, like 50 years of football, uh, which is remarkable. And, you know, I think I don't, I think Mike Tomlin's a good head coach but what he's doing right now is malpractice. Like Matt Canada needs to be fired and you need to like like why is Byron Leftwich not there? Like Byron Leftwich is an OC that you can get behind. He played for the Steelers for a short stint. He was he he's been an offensive coordinator. It just feels like to me that there's there's no reason why you can't maybe do something like that, you know? I mean, you'd probably hire internally for the rest of the season, just have an interim offensive coordinator, and then in the offseason, maybe go and get him. Um, But there's just, there's no reason other than blind loyalty, for which I don't know why Matt Canada has any blind loyalty from this franchise, or just based on the fact that it's like the Steeler way. There's just no reason why he should be employed as an offensive coordinator. He is. Arguably the worst at his job in the NFL. Like Ken Dorsey just got fired by the bills and he's a significantly better offensive coordinator than Matt Canada, but whatever I it's, it's a, it's a bad, 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 bad scenario there. Uh, Texans Cardinals, the Texans win and improve to six and four 21 to 16. CJ Stroud has a decent game, despite throwing three interceptions. So now he's kind of, I I think they, you know, they definitely turned him loose a little bit over the last like three or four weeks because he has shown the capabilities of being a really good NFL quarterback. So you kind of, you take the training wheels off, you know, early in the season, it was running a lot on first down, relying on Damian Pierce, Devin Singletary, you know, not, maybe not taking that many deep shots downfield, but CJ Stroud showed that you can turn him loose. you know he's gonna he's gonna throw the football and he's going to uh he's gonna score points for your team. It just so happened that this now one of these interceptions wasn't his fault. One of these interceptions was like through his receiver's hands, deflected into the arms of an Arizona defender. So that one's not his fault. He had a bad red zone pick. Kyler, I think, had a red zone pick. And this game, I had the over in this game. They scored 31 points in the first half. The over was 48 and a half. They scored 31 points in the first half. You're feeling great. They scored six the entire rest of the way. Six. It was a disaster of a, of a second half for the over. Uh, and it, it was a that's where a lot of these turnovers came. Stroud threw multiple interceptions. I think both a couple of them were in the red zones. Uh, the Cardinals turned it over in the red zone. Um, the, the Texans, you know, they went for it on fourth down in the red zone at one point. I don't know if that, I think that might've been in the first half, but they go for it on fourth down. They don't get it. Um, so a lot of missed opportunities to put points on the board in terms of like the gambling aspect of this game. But regardless of CJ Stroud's three interceptions, the Texans were able to hold on. That defense was able to hold on at the end of the game when the the Cardinals got one last shot. Um, Kyler, you can tell, still kind of getting himself up to game speed for uh, NFL play. It was 20 to 30, 214 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Um, I think he ran for a touchdown as well. That was the the two touchdowns that the Cardinals had were both from him. Um, But Stroud... He had a sick touchdown pass to Tank Dell, a deep touchdown pass. Tank Dell's his guy, I think. That's pretty much cemented. Nine catches or eight catches, 149 yards and a touchdown for Tank Dell, and it was like a it was a a long strike, um, 40 yards. It was a 40 yard touchdown strike from Stroud to Tank Dell to take a 21 to 10 lead. Uh, Kyler ends up running the ball in with less than three minutes left, and they're able to get the ball back from the Texans. It's just not. There was also a, a total bullshit call in this game where um the Texans punted the ball and then they said that the ball hit off of the Arizona defender. So the Texans recovered it on the kickoff, on the on the punt. It didn't. They they said it did and they reviewed it and the call stood, but like I feel like to everyone while me and all my friends were like, Are you gotta be kidding me? Like this ball clearly went off a Texans defender. I don't understand how this is like this. This should just be a downed ball. There's no reason why this should be uh you know, a, a, a turnover, no reason, but it was so Cardinals still covered though. Uh, Jaguars Titans, not much to talk about in this game. The Jaguars dominate in a get right game at home. After being embarrassed by the 49ers, they beat the Titans 34 to 14 Jags are seven and three. Titans are three and seven. Unfortunately, in the AFC South race, do you like to think that the Texans have a shot to te- uh, to catch the Jags? But so they actually have a huge game next week against the Texans. Uh, and then they have they have the Bengals, the Browns, the Ravens, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Titans. So the back end, they have a couple games there sandwiched in against, honestly, the Browns. Uh, the Browns defense. Maybe gives them problems. The Ravens is going to be a really tough game. Uh, and the Bengals now, it would have been a tough game. But unfortunately, that's a Monday. Oh, God, they need to flex that out. That was a Monday night game. Bengals, Jaguars schedule. Now Burrow's not even playing. So, yeah, if they could flex that out, that would be great. Um, but they're playing next Sunday against the Texans. That That is the huge game. That might be the game that decides the division. So, but to end the year, I mean, after the raid they have the Browns and then the Ravens and then they have the Bucks, the Panthers and the Titans which they should they should win all of those games. So, this game next week against the Texans means a lot for the Jaguars. At 7 and 3, Texans are 6 and 4. Um they would split the season series to uh one apiece and both be uh 7 and 4. But uh for the Titans you know, it's the Will Levis experiment right now, just seeing what the kid is made of. Uh, he throws a great deep ball through another deep touchdown uh, or a long touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins uh, yesterday. He throws a really nice deep ball. And just, you know, he was always going to be a project guy. He has the physical tools. He clearly has the arm strength um, to be an NFL quarterback. And he has good, again, good deep ball accuracy. I wouldn't necessarily call the titans uh super talented you know with their roster there's a lot of turnover derrick henry seems to be on the tail end of his career unfortunately he just is not he's not he had a couple games this year where it was like okay vintage derrick henry he's still got the juice but now as the season wears on you're losing a lot of games not the guy that you're expecting like, just 10 carries for 38 yards. Like, this is not the Derrick Henry that we're used to. Uh, granted, it was a blowout, so you're trying to throw the ball a little bit more. But still, like, it's not, he's not Derrick Henry like he used to be. Um, so, you, you got to give the Titans a little bit of leeway. And regardless of what you think or, or what you thought of them in the past, like, I i always felt like Mike Vrabel had them playing beyond their potential their capabilities always uh it always felt like you know no one thought of the titans as a threat and they would just they for the last several years they'd win the afc south and then they they won a couple playoff games like they would beat teams that people were like ah they we're not you're not really thinking of the titans and here they are you know so it's uh mike is a very very good coach i think that's basically undeniable um an excellent coach that's dealing with a ton of turnover right now, you know, a work in progress quarterback. Um, Ryan Tannehill is coming off the books. Derek Henry, it looks like they're probably going to be moving on from him. Um, and and he might be on the tail end of, of his career, you know, not even just his prime, because that's how running back, unfortunately, it's how running backs generally age. Um, you have no wide receivers. Like DeAndre Hopkins is, Not the same DeAndre Hopkins. And on top of that, there's like, what? who else do you like? Tajay Spears, Traylon Burks. So like these guys aren't uh, game changers. You know, they're not guys that people have to game plan for. They're not X factors. They're just guys, you know, and not in the good way. (laughs) They're just, they're just suiting up and the Titans are just kind of trotting out there. And really, it's just like basically player evaluation at this point. Like, who can we keep? who's expendable, et cetera. Uh, but for the Jags, huge game against the Texans next week. Huge. Uh, Dolphins, Raiders, this game was really sloppy for the Dolphins, and I thought they were going to blow them out. And my friend, who's a huge Dolphins fan, was just like, I'm telling you, dude, I'm telling you, this is a game that the Dolphins lose. This is a game that the Dolphins lose. And tried They did. Tried, they did uh, again. Only six points scored in the second half of this game, much like the Cardinals and Texans. Uh, very, very quiet second half. But the Raiders finally lose under Antonio Pierce. They're five and six. Dolphins are seven and three. But this one was pretty gross. Um, Tua threw a pick. There were some fumbles. So two, three turnovers for the Dolphins. A, an interception by Tua and two lost fumbles. One by Tua and one by uh, Julian Hill. So two lost fumbles. Thankfully for them. Jalen Ramsey had two interceptions, so that was pretty huge. Um, And even Jalen Phillips had an interception. So they lost. They turned the ball over three times, but they also forced three turnovers. There was a lot of that sloppy play going around in this game. Uh, And he was like, (laughs) my buddy was like just completely shell shy. I can't believe the Dolphins tried to lose this game so hard. I can't believe they won it. And they didn't cover, but uh, they win the game. and improve to 7 and 3 and continue that uh that AFC East lead that they have Cowboys Panthers um this one went about as expected 33 to 10 <laughs> Duron Bland got another pick six in this game. I think he's up to like four or five on the season uh which I would like to see which we're going to google live here record for most pick sixes most pick sixes in a season. Oh, wow. For Deron Bland ties the NFL single season pick six mark. Uh, Bland tied Eagles corner Eric Allen from 1993, Chief Safety Jim Kearney from 1972, and Hall of Famer Ken Houston from 1971 for the most pick sixes in an NFL season in NFL history. Uh, His fourth. It was his fourth. So that that is pretty insane. It felt like it was a record just because it was an it was like another one. You're like, there's there's no way there's been this many. He's tied it. So he needs one more pick six to uh to have the NFL record for most pick sixes in a season. Quite the feat. Um, definitely something that is is celebrated for the Cowboys, especially with Trevon Diggs out, you know, Daron Bland being this this turnover points machine, this basically single handedly for the Cowboys, uh, is is very very uh, appreciated by them. I would imagine. So this was, you know, like I said, not much here. Uh, the Panthers are one and nine, and the Cowboys are seven and three. Uh, Lions Bears, I-, I do feel for Bears fans. Justin Fields makes his return. And the Bears are dominating this game, dominating the entire game. Goff looks, Goff looked horrible. Goff looked absolutely horrible up until the final three minutes of this football game. Three interceptions uh, could, could not get out of his own way. And we're talking like staring guys down the middle of the field. There's a linebacker in front of him and he throws the ball and it gets picked off. Like that is what he's looking at. He doesn't. Didn't really look like he knew what he was seeing. It, uh, it the 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 potent Detroit Lions offense looked completely like discombobulated the entire game, and Chicago's defense, to their credit, has been playing really well the past few weeks. And now you get Justin Fields back. Suddenly, hey, who knows what we can do? Um, and they're leading this entire game. They are leading this entire game up until. The, with three minutes left, Jared Goff throws a 32-yard touchdown pass to Jamison Williams. Now suddenly, they're creeping. It's 26-21. Three minutes left. Uh, let's see what Chicago can do because the the Bears defense had been dominating. You know, you're 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 feeling all right. If you're Chicago, you have to be feeling good. This is the second half. This is just the second half that started 14-10. Detroit, by the way. Detroit was winning in uh, somehow, regardless of how bad they were playing, they were winning 14-10. This is the second half for the Lions. Punt, fumble, interception, punt, touchdown, touchdown, end of game. And that's how they're like the Bears, field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal, punt, and then they got safety. <laughs> that's it's it's almost uncanny how the the Bears ended up losing this, this football game. And and I think. Fields kind of played pretty well, but it this offense just didn't get enough done, man. I don't... Fields was 16 to 23, 169 yards and a touchdown. He ran 18 times for 104 yards. And if you remember last year, the Bears and the Lions got into a shootout and Fields ran for like 200 yards. Um, DJ Moore had seven catches for 96 yards and a touchdown, including a deep bomb from Fields. That was Fields' only throwing touchdown. Like, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, and at the end of the game, the lions score that touchdown with three minutes left. The bears go three and out. And then Jared Goff, 11 plays down the field scores a touchdown. Um, and during the, the last ditch effort for the bears, there was a botched snap and the ball went into the end zone and it, it went out the back of the end zone for a safety. So, uh, it was pretty a pretty incredible comeback win for the gritty, gritty Lions and a pretty devastating loss for the Bears because you have to think about, like, where do you go from here? The Lions are fine. The Lions are a legit threat in the NFC. They're a very good team. They're very fun to watch. Dan Campbell has those guys playing hard until the final whistle blows. Um, despite mistakes, like, they still were able to fix it at the end and and win the game. Doesn't matter who's the, who it's against. So with the Bears now, it, like what do you do? You know, you have you're gonna have two top five picks may your your number the number one picks going to the Panthers. I, they're not gonna win a single game. And honestly, we're gonna look back and their one win is against the Texans, who are now six and four. So we're gonna look back and be like, how did the Panthers beat the Texans? Like, the Texans played pretty good football all year. How how did they beat the Texans? How is that their one win? Um, I don't think the Panthers win another game, right? So you look at them and they're gonna get the number one overall pick that belongs to the Bears from the the Bryce Young trade last year. Right? The Bryce it was uh a first and DJ Moore for the rights to the number one overall pick. Um, or two, I guess. Two Was it two firsts? Because they gave them their first that year, I think. They swapped. Um, regardless, you gave up a lot for Bryce Young. That's your guy. You have no picks. There's really nothing to look forward to. Whereas the Bears now, you are going to have the number one overall pick from the, the Panthers and a top five pick should you continue to lose. Uh, what do you do with that number one overall pick? Do you... Do you take Caleb Williams and just try and move on from Justin Fields, ship him out, like, basically copy the 49ers? Because, I mean, Justin Fields, at least we've seen Justin Fields play and know that he's, like, he he's physically talented. There's just a lot of things that need to be fixed with him for him to be, like, a consistently good NFL quarterback. Are you willing to stick that out and and continue that experiment, or are we willing to just call it quits, wipe your hands clean, fire Eberflus, get rid of the fields, draft Caleb Williams, and hire a new head coach and just start from scratch? Because the Bears have not done that. The Bears are like one of the only teams that have been going through quarterbacks and have been overlapping. They overlapped with Trubisky. They overlapped with Fields and Trubisky. And then with uh, Eberflus now, like he came in, he didn't like Fields and then he's had he started Fields and then they played them all wrong. And then they finally started running plays that he liked and that he was good for. It was a complete mess. So as much as it sucks because Justin Fields is so young and you can tell he has a lot of great physical tools I was going to say copy the 49ers, right? The 49ers drafted up to the third overall pick to take Trey Lance. He saw the field for like one game, one full game of snaps he's played in the NFL, like has not really gotten any type of opportunity at all. Um, And, you know, that's for a reason I would imagine. However, it was still huff on the and now when you're the 49ers versus the bears a really good team versus a really bad team it's a lot easier to move on from a draft pick that's not playing because you just like you have Brock Purdy who ends up being you know a, a fine fit for that offense and and a person who can be under center and and win a lot of football games for that team because their team is so loaded the bears don't have that the bears are just bad across the board for the most part um so to not have a good quarterback is not as easy to move on from Um, and uh, uh, where the Jets are in that position too with Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson's just flat out bad. Justin Fields at least shows some promise, maybe not consistently, but at least he shows it. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to say that, I mean, the smartest move is to just cut your ties, uh, fire Eberflus, fire Ryan Poles, uh, trade Justin Fields. I'm sure there's like... Do the Jets go, like, you know, go get... Someone has... Someone can benefit from getting Justin Fields. The Raiders, maybe, I don't know, possibly. Like, someone can benefit from having Justin Fields. Someone can. And you're probably not going to have to give up much to get him. Um, Just because the Bears have absolutely zero leverage in that regard. Uh, so, you could Like, someone can take a flyer on Justin Fields. I don't think his career is completely over yet. I think a lot of people recognize that he has physical talent and he's in a terrible situation with the Bears. But if I'm the Bears, fire everyone. Ryan Poles can go. Ibra can go. They'll get rid of, they'll move off fields, draft Caleb Williams, hire a, a, a coach and a GM all at the same time and build your team from there. Um, because you just look at like what the Bears have been doing, and it's just so so head scratching because at no point have they been good. Yet they got rid of Roquan Smith only to sign Tremaine Edmonds in the off season and then trade for Montez' sweat and pay him a lot of money, probably too much, in my opinion. So now you have you're 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 paying these guys on defense. The defense seems to like kind of be coming together. But, like, where? Why are we spending this money when we're not good? Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, wouldn't you not have just been better suited to just pay Roquan Smith? Just, just pay Roquan Smith. Now you're paying two separate guys who are not as good as him. I just, I don't get it. So they're, they're like, they sell, they sell off players at the deadline, and then they go and free agency, and they're buyers, and then the off, like trade deadline, like they're also buyers. It doesn't this year. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. I have no idea, like what their vision is, like what is their sense of direction. I, I have, I have no idea. So the easiest thing would to be would be to gut the the entire thing, move off fields, fire poles, fire Eberflus, hire a new GM, head coach, draft a quarterback, and then with the fifth overall pick, fourth overall pick, whatever it ends up being uh depending on the bear's actual record cuz the number 1 overall pick belongs to the Panthers they're going to get that they stink um but you got to now figure out like what are we what are we doing with this this other pick you know uh if Marvin Harrison if they get the third pick like you're probably blessed with Marvin Harrison there you know even with the fourth pick you're probably blessed with Marvin Harrison there uh so that is like a scenario that if you're a bears fan you're you're praying like that's just what happens you you take Caleb Williams take Marvin Harrison Jr in the top 5 and call it a day that's your core for the next like four seasons minimum obviously ideally you'd like them to work out and just pay them and then they they're there for a really long time but they're the bears so uh let's i mean we're talking about the cardinals too we just talked about the cardinals um Let's with the Giants. Uh, since we're talking about bad teams now, the Giants, this is like it, it's maybe the worst win you can ever have in football. Which is, I understand that's loser talk, I understand that, and I like Giants fans. We've we've fallen a long way from you know being competitive and winning a couple Super Bowls, <laughs> and now it's like you're you're a little annoyed when your team wins because they're they're bad um they're, they're having a really really bad year and to sweep the commanders again i mean if you're a commanders fan you got to be distraught like you cannot beat the giants which is just so crazy like that's got to be crazy to just not for whatever reason you just can't beat the new york giants that's nuts um they're four and seven, and that I know that was a disappointing loss for Commanders fans. But the Giants, Tommy DeVito, you know, who has more games with two uh, two passing touchdowns than Kenny Pickett, um, they won thirty-one to nineteen. Barkley had a great game. Uh, De- Tommy DeVito threw for three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, I-, I I don't know, man. This is a game that you absolutely have to lose. I'm sorry. I I understand the dilemma you're in as a player. Like, no player is going to go into a game being like, we just got to lose this game and get a better draft pick. Like, no one's doing that. All these guys, every single week, are basically playing for their jobs, right? Um, They're playing for their next contract. Every game means something to these guys. Every game. And it's hard, you you can't go into a football game and not try because number one, you're going to lose yourself money. And number two, you're going to potentially get hurt. You like, you raise the risk factor of getting hurt when you're not going 100% playing football. So it is, it, it's, it's, it's really like pathetic and definitely loser speak to be like, wow, this win sucked. <laughs> but. It kind of did, man. I mean, we had the, we were, we were staring the number two overall pick in the face because the Giants sketch. And now, now we play the Patriots next week at home. And that pisses me off because that is a direct, direct draft implication. The Patriots are two and eight, and we're three and eight. This is a di- direct draft implication game. Then you play the Packers, the Saints, the Eagles, the Rams, and the Eagles again. So, like, we're looking at a, a pretty good draft pick. Hopefully, we win no more than four games. Um, it's just really annoying. So now you're looking at the the top five. Well, let's look, we'll even look at the top ten right now. Um, Carolina, which the Bears pick, which is the Bears own their pick, at one and nine. Arizona at two and nine. The Patriots at two and eight, they have a bye week. And as the the Giants, too. They don't have they have a bye week, uh, their bye weeks after they play the Patriots. Arizona's two and nine, which I don't think they're gonna stay there forever. Um, they just played the Texans pretty hard. I I think Kyler is definitely good for a couple more wins if you just look at their schedule, the Cardinals schedule. They have the Rams, the Steelers, the Niners, the Bears, the Eagles, and the Seahawks. At least if, I mean, they can they can beat the Rams. Uh, the Rams are not good. They could beat, although the Rams did just beat the Seahawks. So who knows? Um, they could beat the Steelers. They could beat the bears. So those are three winnable games. The rest of the way, uh, the rest, I'll say they're they're just going to chalk them up as losses. Obviously the Eagles, the Seahawks and the Niners, I think all smoke them, but they have a chance to beat the Rams, a chance to beat the Steelers and a chance to beat the bears. So even if they win one of those three games, like they might not be in the two spot, but right now they are. The, the Patriots have the three spot at two and eight. Um, The Patriots already had their bye week, by the way, sorry. um, Because they played in Germany, so they probably had their bye week after that. The, the Giants did not have their bye week yet. Um, and neither have the Cardinals. So... The Bears are three and eight. The Giants are three and eight. And then the Titans have the sixth pick at three and seven. So they're kind of in the hunt for a top five pick as well. Washington is four and seven. Atlanta four and six. Green Bay four and six. Tampa at four and six is your top ten. It is it's gross to think about. Like you're literally looking for losses to see how high of a draft pick you can get. The Giants need to get Drake May. I don't think they're going to, they're not getting the number one pick. That's not happening. So uh, the Bears are going to have their choice of what to do with the number one pick, trade it, reload on Justin Fields, take Caleb Williams, whatever decision they decide, which I mean, they should take Caleb Williams, but (laughs) whatever decision they decide, that's their pick. Uh, It's really like a, a scramble between picks. Honestly, now because the Titans are three and seven, it's a it's a scramble between picks number two and six. It can it can shape up any way from now until the rest of the season. So with the giant like this loss for the Giants, just it hurts them in the long run. It hurts them. This season is a wreck. Like you're you don't want to win this football game, but uh, I'm pretty I I I was still that fan in me, man. I was happy they won because. You got Deontay Banks, who's certified good, by the way. i given him the stamp. Certified good. Deontay Banks, first-round cornerback taken by the Giants. Um, went on Instagram Live, and his pinned comment was, 17 played today? Which Terry McLaurin, so he was basically on Terry McLaurin all game, and he had just five catches for 43 yards. So not much doing for Terry McLaurin. Um, and I, all of those probably weren't even against Deontay Banks because he moves around a little bit. I don't know if he shadowed him the entire game, but even if they were all lined up against Deontay Banks, that's not bad. Um, so Deontay Banks is very, very good. There was a skirmish in here because McKinney laid a big hit on Hal after they called a touchdown, but everyone kept playing because I don't think anyone heard the whistle. And then people got ejected. I think Curtis Samuel got ejected. Um, Pinnock might've been ejected. I couldn't find exactly who was ejected. I was looking on Twitter for like 15 minutes after the fight ended. And I couldn't find a single tweet that told me exactly who was ejected. I just knew Curtis Samuel definitely was ejected. Um, so yeah, that was the Giants game. I'm a little annoyed. Shout out Tommy DeVito though. The dude's living his best life. I don't know if you grew up a Jets or a Giants fan, but he grew up in Jersey near MetLife. He's like, I still live at home. My mom cooks me chicken cutlets you know she makes my bed does my laundry all that stuff which is like salute dude that's awesome i respect that and he's making you know six figures playing for the giants from their practice squad and now in game he just won an nfl game threw for three touchdowns like that's a high moment in his life he might not get higher than that in his life that that's that's a a peak moment right there he gets to say that for the rest of his life which is pretty cool so Credit to Tommy DeVito. Um, oh, boy. Uh, whatever, man. It just is what it let is. is. We'll keep it rolling here. Um, Packers, Chargers. I'd like to recant some of my Justin Herbert slander. You know, I, I did, coming into this season, it was a lot of, like, excuses. Like, oh, his weapons, his weapons, his weapons. But then you have guys like Adam Scheffner, who I thought was, it was hilarious when he tweeted this out. Like, Adam Scheffner <laughs> tweeted out Justin Wepo- Justin Herbert's new weapons coming into the season. And it was Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, um, Gerald Everett, and Quinton Johnson, and Austin Eckler, which is literally just the same team he had last year, plus Quinton Johnston. And the funniest thing now is that Quinton Johnson sucks at football. He is bad, dude. He is so, so bad. He had like four or five drops this game. He was horrific, um, and this was a game that I might have flipped on Justin Herbert here, because for a while I'm like, how long are we going to make excuses about Justin Herbert? Maybe he's just Phil Rivers, you know, great stats, can't can't win like that big one, can't win when it matters or whatever. Not to slander Philip Rivers, but it's just that's the way his career went, unfortunately. But Herbert, with all this tape, he's got this huge like taped up ring uh, ring finger on his hand. He, his arms are taped up from scratches and bruises. There was a point here where they got a delay of, pay, a delay of game penalty because the center snapped it late and Herbert threw the ball into the ground. And I can already picture in my head him screaming, snap the fucking ball. Like he was pissed. He was really, really, really pissed. And rightfully so. I mean, Keenan Allen who's like a really trusted receiver for him, and even in this game had 10 catches for 116 yards and a touchdown, dropped what probably would have been the game-winning touchdown. Herbert, like, it was such a funny drop because he's like in the end zone and this ball is literally directly at his chest and it hits him in the sternum and bounces directly off his uh, his chest pads and falls incomplete. So Herbert is like, he he played his ass off, dude. He really played his ass off. He even had 73 yards rushing. Like, Austin Eckler is a flat-out bad running back. I have been saying this. I have been saying this about Austin Eckler. Like, people think he's really, really good because he's a great, like, PPR fantasy player. So it's like, oh, yeah, Austin Eckler is a good football player. Like, he's really, like, he doesn't run the ball effectively. He is a good weapon out of the backfield in terms of, like, checkdowns and route-running purposes. but. When you hand the ball off because you need yards on the ground, Austin Eckler cannot do that efficiently. He has He's not that guy. He really isn't. So they were smart not to cave in and pay him, the, the Chargers. But they need like a complete overhaul. Um, Brandon Staley, it is nothing short of a miracle he has not been fired yet. Nothing short of a miracle. He is supposed to be or was this defensive guru that they hired. Your defense is probably bottom five in the league. They they can't cover anybody. They suck. They suck. Quinton Johnston dropped what probably would have been a, a walk-in touchdown. Herbert dropped it right in the breadbasket, and he, he just completely spazzed out. As soon as he got his hands on the ball, his arm spazzed out, and he just dropped it. Like, he looked so uncoordinated. He's horrible. He's really bad, bro. He, Quentin Johnson sucks. He sucks. And then Keenan Allen had a really good game, but just a really, really bad drop in the end zone. Um, so I, I feel for Justin Herbert now. I understand. I'm there with you, everyone. I'm there. I, I'm there. Justin Herbert is not the problem he is very 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 good it's everyone else it really is like i w- it took me really a really long time to get to this level because i was like there's just no way like there's a lot of despite what i think about some of these guys like eckler mike williams keenan allen all these guys are talented but like mike williams tore his acl okay fine that's not his fault injuries happen like it sucks yes but that's not his fault um but like eckler is not he can't run the ball Keenan Allen making that crucial drop was like crazy uncharacteristic of him. Quentin Johnston sucks. The defense is like not even pee-wee level at this point, despite having like you think, in theory, having good individual players like Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, you know, some of these guys where you're like, they, they should be pretty good, but they're just not as a unit. They're so bad. They're really. Horrific, especially now you have like a head coach that's supposed to be this defensive guy, and he, the offense, is, is like crumbling. People are dropping everything. Someone has to be held accountable, and it, you can't keep blaming the coordinators forever, uh, like you did with Lombardi. So it, it it's you, Brandon Staley. There's there's the 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 common denominator is you. You suck. You're a bad head coach. And I mean, I've been, I, I posted a clip on TikTok a couple times. I posted it after they lost the game to the Chargers in the playoffs. Like, I've been on the fire Brendan Staley trade, uh, train. He should have been fired before the season started. But like all bad organizations do, and make no mistake about it, the Chargers, despite maybe their wins and some of the players they've had, they're not a good organization. Like, they, they just can never do the thing that puts them over the top. They've never been able to do that for whatever reason, Um, whether they're cursed or just bad. But they, in a last-ditch effort, allowed Brandon Staley to stay, and they fired Joe Lombardi because that's what bad head coaches do. As a last-ditch effort to save their jobs, they fire a coordinator. McDermott over in Buffalo is on the hot seat. What did he do? Fired his coordinator. That doesn't make things better. You know, it's not Ken Dorsey's fault. It might have been some of his fault, but it wasn't all of his fault. But something had to change. So, what do head coaches do when they're going? Like, if the Bills continue to lose and miss the playoffs, McDermott is, he might be done. Like, he's, he is, his seat with his, uh, his seat with every week, every passing week gets hotter and hotter. Um, that's what's up with the Chargers. Like, there's no reason why Brandon Staley should be employed right now. He should be fired. But I guess they're just going to stick it out and fire him to, at the end of the season at the, at at this rate. It looks like that's that's probably what they're going to what they're going to do. So, Bucks 49ers, um kind of a a gross game ish. I don't know. The 49ers, it felt like they kind of let the Bucks hang around for a little bit, but uh, the Bucks played hard here. They're four and six. I, they're really not terrible, honestly. I think feel I feel like they're definitely a lot better than most people expected. Like Baker Mayfield's been playing a lot better than most people expected. Uh, but the Niners are the Niners. They feel like they're inevitable. Um, they're seven and three. They win this game twenty-seven to fourteen, which is honestly um, a lot, a lot uh, closer of a game than I think anyone probably thought it was going to be. Uh, but yeah, it it was a it was, a, it was a casual one. This was one of those games where it was just like, yeah, nothing nothing really crazy coming here. Brock Purdy did throw for three touchdowns. Um, Brandon IU continues to be the best receiver on that team. Um, five catches for 156 yards and a touchdown. McCaffrey, I, I think, deserves some MVP uh, nom- nominations. He had a receiving touchdown. So after the streak was broken last week, they get him back in the end zone this week. Um, yeah, I mean, more of the same from both of these teams, unfortunately for the, for the box, but for the, the 49ers, more of the same, uh, moving on the jets and the bills, uh, Zach Wilson is officially done. The move coming today, Monday morning, uh, where Robert Sala said that it will be Boyle going forward, Tim Boyle. For the Jets, he came in relief of Zach Wilson against the Bills because Zach Wilson was just so horrifically bad again. So they made the move to Boyle, and then it was announced Monday that he will be the starter on Black Friday. Happy yeah, Happy Thanksgiving, Zach Wilson. You lost your starting job. Um, he will be the starter on the Black in the Black Friday game against the Miami Dolphins, uh, I, I don't know, I wouldn't know what to expect. I probably wouldn't expect much of anything. i would I would expect the the Dolphins to beat the brakes off of the Jets. But uh, who knows? I, I again, that defense is really, really, really good for the Jets. And that was what I mentioned before. like they are there's like three or four defenses right now that have no quarterback play. And they're like generational defenses, like amazing, amazing, amazing defenses. And they just can't do anything because their team doesn't have a quarterback. Like I just, it's really bizarre to see like the landscape of, of quarterback play right now. And what's even more bizarre is the fact that like, why, why do so many teams have like backup quarterbacks that can't throw a football? Why, why is that like a norm? Why, why is that, you know, why not spend like a little bit of money off a backup, on a backup quarterback? You know, not everyone is, is Eli Manning, uh, who, you know, he, he played every game every year and suffered no major injuries for 15 years. No one, no one's like that. It happened. Injuries happen. Like this is, this is football. You know, it's a, it's a rare, 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 rare thing that, uh, you get. You know, you get lucky. I mean, even the, I remember in the Patriots when, you know, Tom Brady tore his ACL, Matt Castle was the quarterback. He was good. Matt Castle was good. He was a, I mean, to have him as your backup was sensational, but then he went and made a career for himself. He ended up, I was the starter for Kansas City for a couple seasons, I think, you know, he went and got some money because of that one year, but like, you're a good, you're a good backup quarterback like that is what you have for you if like people uh, these teams aren't investing in backup quarterbacks like I don't know what's what's happened but it's just I don't know man it's tough it's it's a really tough tough thing out there like Tim Boyle's your backup quarterback who has more interceptions uh in college at two different schools and then in the NFL than touchdowns like He's not good. I don't understand how he's on a roster, but he is. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's gar- it's garbage. The Jets' offense is just in shambles. I don't know. I don't know. Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, even now, like Joe Douglas, kind of skated by on that Jamal Adams trade because he just absolutely swindled the Seahawks. He's skated by on that for the past few years, but like. Um, The worst thing that could possibly happen right now is Aaron Rodgers comes back next year, the Jets play and they don't play well. Like that's the worst case scenario. But I think what's saving everyone's jobs right now, like there's a real chance that Salah and Douglas, like they'll just keep their jobs up until next, uh, until after next season. And then it'll be based on like the Rogers experiment. Like, did trading for Aaron Rodgers work out? Because if they win football games next year, and the number one thing they have to do is rebolster their offensive line. Because again, just like the Bengals, because everything else is fine, um, but you need an offensive line. Because if there's no offensive line there, uh, Aaron Rodgers being under center is not going to mean that much. You know, it, it's he's going to have a lot. He's still going to have a lot of troubles that he's going to have to deal with, and he's going to get frustrated. And he's going to get angry. You don't want that. And he's going to get, he might get injured again, which you definitely don't want. So even if Aaron Rodgers is fully healthy next year and they win a lot of games and let's just say they're a first round playoff exit, like everyone goes, everyone goes, uh, they happen to make it to like an AFC championship game or something like that. I still think you fire after Rodgers retires, you know, fire everyone. Just get rid of everyone. Like this is this should be the last like stand for the Jets this next year. Listen, if they fire Douglas and Sally after this year and they get a different head coach and GM with Aaron Rodgers healthy next year, so be it. The earlier, probably the better. But if they decide to stick it out for one more year because Aaron Rodgers is coming back and you really want to see like what this team could do with a healthy Aaron Rodgers, I understand that. But I think then, at the end of it, regardless of everything, barring winning a Super Bowl, everyone goes. Everyone goes. And even winning a Super Bowl, honestly, if Aaron Rodgers retires after winning a Super Bowl hypothetically for the Jets, I still think everyone should get fired. Let them resign with dignity, you know? like it it's you need to absolutely clean house. Um, but the whole situation with the Jets is just it's just a nightmare. Just an absolute nightmare. Um, The Bills, they're six and five. um, Still kind of shaky, in my opinion. You know, you got the, you got Joe Brady in there now as the OC. And we're going to see how, I mean, I'm not really counting this game as much just because they completely steamrolled the Jets. But I want to see more like in a competitive setting when the game is close, you know, how does he use Josh Allen? Um, are they gonna be running the ball more? Because he didn't like running the ball in Carolina. So what are we going to be uh dealing with exactly? Like how much is this offense gonna be different than when Ken Dorsey was doing it? You know? But it's just a, a steaming pile of crap for the Jets right now, man. It, it's bad. It's really, really bad. Um, Seahawks, Rams, what an ending to this game. The Rams win 17 to 16. Geno Smith gets hurt in this game, and I think that maybe that probably tanks the Seahawks here because it was a close game the entire time. But the Rams, they were just able to stop um the Seahawks in the second half. Uh, held them to a field goal the entire second half, able to put 10 points on the board in the fourth, and they win this game on a game winning kick. 17 to 16. Pretty uh Pretty crazy NFC West game, um, and a bad loss for Seattle. a bad loss for Seattle, six and four now they are. The Rams are four and six. The Rams are not very good. Cooper Cup left this game as well. So like you talk about, well, the Geno got injured. Cooper Cup got injured too, and he was not playing basically the entire game. here he limped off the field, never came back. so uh, it was. Uh, it was it was pretty gross. Stafford didn't even really play well. Seventeen to thirty one, one hundred ninety yards, a touchdown and interception. Like I don't know how the Rams won this game, but they did. They just completely slopped it out until <laughs> the last quarter, the last few minutes of this game. They were able to somehow pull close um, and and kick a game winning field goal. But oh my God, like what a what a tough pill to swallow if you're the seattle seahawks you should be seven and three you should be seven and three like there's no there's no excuse for winning this game but like football is really the only sport where like divisional games are truly unpredictable like they are you know um the bills just beat the brakes off the jets but everyone expected that outcome in week one and it didn't happen the jets won like Aaron Rodgers goes down on the second play of the game. It's Zach Wilson, the entire way. And the jets were still somehow able to win that football game. So divisional games are always, always, always really tough to predict. And that's kind of why in a gambling sense, I I try and stay away from divisional games. Um, But it is really tough to predict them more so than any other sport. You really think like baseball kind of switched their scheduling around. So you don't, I don't think you see a divisional opponents as much as you used to, but they used to be really, really important. Now they're like kind of half important. They're almost ha- not half important, but like definitely less important, still important, but definitely less important. Um, and then basketball divisions, like no one even bats an eye at divisions. No one gives a shit about those. It's all about like where you finish in the conference. Um, at hockey, Hockey is pretty important division wise, But football is definitely the most. And, and And having those rivalries in football, playing someone twice a year means a lot. and it it definitely makes things more competitive. And even in a head coaching sense, I think the way that hierarchy has gone in the NFC West is like McVeigh owns I think McVeigh and Pete Carroll have gone pretty much back and forth. Um, McVay dominates the Cardinals, but Kingsbury's not there anymore. So that's kind of out the window, but he still probably dominates the Cardinals. Um, Shanahan dominates, dominates McVay. And then I think Pete Carroll usually plays the, uh, he plays Shanahan usually pretty well. Um, so it is a, uh, volatile division just as much as anything else. Um, but a tough loss there for Seattle. The Monday night game, Mr. Unlimited takes down Josh Dobbs and the Minnesota Vikings. Both of these teams, they had the, the Vikings had the longest win streak in the NFL at five games, and the Broncos had the second longest winning streak at three. Broncos pulled the five and five. Uh, Vikings are six and five, and Russell Wilson, he throws a go-ahead touchdown to Cortland Sutton in the back of the end zone with one minute left in this game. Wilson, he had, I think they said it was three or four straight. I think it was three. So during this win streak, he has not thrown for over 200 yards. Threw for 259 on Sunday night. Um, huge win for the Broncos. They really seem to turn it around. That defense is finally like kind of showing signs of last year now, where it's like they had a really good defense. Just The, the offense was a, a complete laughingstock. Now they're they're actually putting up points. They're able to support the defense offensively. Um, Javante Williams, he didn't really have, he had a quiet game on, on Sunday night because the Vikings run defense is really good. But Javante Williams really started to get going over the last few games. Russell Wilson starting to find his guys, Judy, Cortland Sutton, right? They're Everyone's starting to really um, play really, really, really well. Uh, so this is the second straight game with a touchdown for Cortland Sutton. Last week against the Bills, Wilson had a, a Dime, complete dime to Cortland Sutton, like the corner of the end zone, um, where it was it was one of those where it was like completely out of bounds, but only Sutton can get to it, dragged his toes, and then he finds him here. Um, they went for two, they failed, so all the Vikings needed in a minute and three was to get into field goal range to try and win this game. Could not do it, so the defense holds strong, uh, and they, again, pulled a five and five, so... Now all of a sudden the Viking on uh, the, the Denver Broncos are like, I mean, the Vikings are in the NFC playoff hunt, but the Broncos who were dead in the water, and I said they were dead in the water, they were this team, this Denver Broncos team was staring three and nine in the face, three and eight in the face. Staring it in the face, two and nine, me possibly even. And they were able to beat the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Vikings, and they have completely turned their season around. When they beat that Chiefs team a couple weeks ago, off the bye, that was the biggest game of the season, and they won. Convincingly, they won. So that that I think that win completely turned around their season. Um, you know, they barely beat – they lose to the Chiefs. They barely beat the Packers. They dominate the Chiefs. They beat the Bills. And then they beat the Broncos, both on uh, game-winning field goals, by the way. So, or not not game-winning field goals, by less than three points. Um, they've scored a, a, they kicked a game-winning field goal against the Bills, and then they scored a last-second touchdown against the Vikings, missed the um, two-point conversion. So last-minute scores to win games against good teams. They have a tough matchup next week. Um... Sunday at 4 o'clock, they're playing the Browns. They are at home, so that's an advantage, but they are playing the Browns, so that's going to be tough. Uh, yeah, I mean, they have a real chance here to make the playoffs, which would just be absolutely remarkable considering how they looked in the first few weeks of the season. Uh, so again, the Monday night game, Eagles-Chiefs should be a really exciting game. Um, very much looking forward to this Super Bowl rematch. I have, again, Mahomes over 23.5 rushing yards, DeAndre Swift 59.5 rushing yards, and Travis Kelsey over 7.5 receptions. That's my parlay for this Monday night game. Um, But that'll do it for this episode from my point of view. Thank you all very much for listening. I appreciate you, as always. Have a great rest of your week. Talk to you all next Tuesday.